Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part A. Welcome to the Identity Matters podcast. We are just about ready to finish our betrayal series. Does anyone here remember what we're going to do next? Oh my God, my child's a millennialist. The title was posted over three or four weeks ago on the internet and it's got tons of traffic. All you can tell that by pulling up the picture under Google Images and see how well and how high on the ranks that it gets and that helps us in regard to evaluating how far we're getting this preparation for this series that's coming up. So it's pretty exciting. This new series that we're going to be doing is going to be extremely practical. So we're going to address the issue of you grandparents and you parents that know that you have one of these millennial grandchildren or children and really what to do and how to handle them. Statistics are already proving that there's not much you can do. I'm not quite sure we're going to accept that. The Spirit of the Living God is very interested in every single generation. It is true, the statistics in the church and in society in general is saying that this particular generation is lost and that they cannot be reached. The church is very concerned about reaching the Zers, and these Zers are 12 years of age and under. We have statistics already out of the average age of the Zers who are addicted to using cell phones is six years of age. There are actually babies that are given tablets. They're put in their cribs and the parents will actually put their faces on a slideshow and so that the child is laying there seeing these images. In other words, they're being raised with technology. Whereas the other generations we were raised and we were integrated into technology. That is not the case with this next generation coming. This is 174 of the Identity Matters series and I always like to give my bottom line theological statement, which seems to be helping a bit. So my primary objective is to equip. Equipping is not just teaching, it's the full-on discipleship process of giving teachings and giving the practical application of those teachings 
and being with the person as they are beginning to walk them out. So, my primary objective is to equip individuals through the believer's identity in Christ, all based on the message of identification with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. One of the number one reasons why I would like to go to Israel, whether we can actually prove that that was actually the Lord's tomb or not, probably good chances that it was because the way they keep track of history. But I would like to stand in front of Jesus' tomb, look in there, and say, that's exactly where I am. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was in that tomb. Every believer who has received Jesus Christ into their life could stand in front of Jesus' tomb, look in there and say, For I have been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, risen with Christ, and now I am seated at the right hand of the Most High. You have a personal connection to that tomb. My passion is to deliver this message to a worldwide audience by making use of the Internet, live presentations, writings, podcasting, and through the effective use of media. That's a very quick statement for absolutely thousands and thousands of hours by our 30-plus volunteers and certainly myself manipulating the Internet, tagging images, building quick videos, and so forth and so on to gather more and more and more of an audience so that we can get that 10% out of them. Most people will hear a sermon and they'll walk out, shake their pastor's hand and say, that was a powerful sermon, pastor. But every person that walks out of that church, I can guarantee you that about 10% will begin to experience transformation from the message. The rest are going to just note it file it, and consider that one of the best passages that the pastor has ever preached. To that I say, that's worthless. The only thing that's worth anything and holds value is not in the fact that a teacher can communicate accurately truth. It is that if the teacher is communicating a release of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is coming through that teacher and touching a human mind. And in that, if they're an indwelt believer, that the Holy Spirit is released in that human mind and transforms and renews their mind and they walk out a different person. That's what we want. It's a critical process. Give you a little update here. This is our ministry news drop-down page, the ministry news letters that you get, which there's a new one on the table for you on the Zers. And that's what basically is sent out over the Internet to our readers. And we hand out to people if they do want a hard copy of our newsletter. But it's really not where all the news is. 
If you go to our website and do the drop down under news and see exchange news, you're going to get the standard newsletter we send out to everyone. But if you go to the link that says ministry news and you click on that, you're going to get a very long list of new things that we have worked on that are in place, etc., etc. For example, with this particular page, I captured it a couple days ago to put into the slide. It gives you the list of the new Identity Matters Worldview Center Coordinator trainees. This is in the last three weeks. They're from all over the world. All parts of, of Africa are listed in this list. These are actual individuals that are being discipled by me personally. I'm taking them through the Identity Matters Conference online in their country. I have a whole system in place where they have to go back to the Identity Matters Conference page and scroll down to the bottom and they have to fill in a form for each session they go through. It's very itemized. When that form shows up to me, I know exactly what questions to ask them and what they're not getting. Few drop out because it's too intense. One turned this past week into a very, very hateful person. He said, your material makes me angry. It cannot be of God. Who is your God? See, that's what I ask. Who is your Jesus? Is it a truth person that does not provoke uncomfortable things like guilt, conviction? That is who we're dealing with today. But most of these guys that are listed here and a couple gals, they are authentic believers. They've already been taken through quite a few steps before they've gotten to this step. They have powerful, positive testimonies of being indwelt by the power and life of Jesus Christ. And they're in the process of being trained to be representatives in all of these areas that you see listed in this paragraph. I counted them, and I think my memory has forgotten them, but I think that there are 21 new coordinators listed there just in the past three weeks. So if you're just thinking our ministry is kind of local or loco, whichever one you want to pick, I'm here to tell you God is doing an absolutely magnificent work around the world through these principles that do tend to provoke people to be restless at first. Five of them are doctors who have some of the largest, listen carefully, some of the largest mission organizations in the world are on that list. Do you know what that's going to do? That is what God is about because once those leaders get it and, and agree to be a field representative for us to conduct webinars and whatever it is that we're going to be throwing at them, it's huge. 
Those who are interested in going to our website and booking any one of our speakers out of our full list on Meet the Team, there's a solid 15 teachers on that list who all have conferences, and it's all listed in drop-down menus where they can actually pick the type of conference they want. Some teach grace conferences. Some teach strictly exchange life conferences. Some do end times conferences and so forth and so on. It's been a long time coming and it's done and now we can get all of our teachers out there doing what they do best. Last week we covered these following bullet points. It takes experience to confront a betrayer. If you're a rookie and you're brand new at taking on betrayers, I suggest that you don't. You say, well, I'll just take someone with me. I'm afraid you can't. The biblical guidelines do not allow you to take someone with you. You need to go to that person privately, one-on-one, before you bring two or more. So it's something to really think about and pray about. We talked about the three types of people. The first type is a spiritual person who is indwelt by the life of Jesus Christ and walks in and through and after the Holy Spirit. The second kind is the spiritual person who is walking after their flesh. And the third type of person is simply unsaved. They may go to church, they may, may wear Jesus tattoos, but they're unsaved. It's the only three types of people in the world today. The third type, the unsaved person, is there's no reason for a meeting. The meeting is strictly for the purpose of leading someone back to Christ or lead them to Christ for the first time may be a surprise in the meeting, but your objective is to only meet with believers. This passage is strictly dealing with believers. We talked about the intention of the betrayer. That is a critical piece. If they are just filled with hatred and they want to hurt you, that is a very important piece to know. If they are confused and they do what a lot of children do is pick fights in order to have company and fellowship. Do you understand that? A lot of kids pick on each other because they're bored and they want an interaction. Well, there's a lot of adults out there who are betrayers that use that technique. They're actually picking a fight so that they feel like there's somebody in their life. So that's a different intention. And then there's an intention that is very vague, and they're not even sure why they're doing what they're doing. Maybe because they believe because their neighbor said something. They just don't know why. So intention becomes everything. We talked about the mystery of Christ in you. That's absolutely the most critical piece when we talk about getting something done in these meetings. Christ needs to do it through you. Then we talked about the release of spirit is required. Of course, that can't happen unless Christ actually does live inside you. 
Our scripture for today is Matthew 18, verses 18 through 22. And it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. Then Peter came and said to them, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. You may be seated. Okay, in our next slide we see here our big clincher. Now if you can imagine the disciples listening to Jesus lay out the golden key of deliverance for a fellow body member, And seriously, if you look at this from a perspective where actually Jesus is providing guidelines to actually set someone free, not to confront them and have them feel guilty and have the betrayer put in their place. The whole objective here is to release them from their chains. And that is truly going to take someone who is listening very carefully to the Holy Spirit. So embracing what Jesus said would be impossible for the disciples to comprehend unless the Holy Spirit is actually doing the revealing of the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit being external for these disciples, there was no indwelling for the disciples. That didn't happen until after Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. And then everyone who got saved after that moment received the indwelling life of Christ from that day forward, after the ascension and descension of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples didn't even have the power of the cross yet because the power of the cross had not happened. So the Holy Spirit was Pure external. The only one that had the Holy Spirit was who? Jesus. When did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? Most surveys says believe he was born with it. When did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? When he came out of the water, dripping wet from head to toe, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and indwelt him. He was the only human walking the face of the earth that had the indwelling Holy Spirit. And these disciples began to figure that out. So you say, how in the world did these disciples actually gain understanding if the scriptures tell us it's the Holy Spirit? In fact, only the Holy Spirit can give you understanding of the Holy Scriptures. 
So for the disciples, the Holy Spirit was externally revealing things to them. Contrary to the enemy, the Holy Spirit can read human minds. The Holy Spirit can put thoughts in your mind. The Holy Spirit can bring transformation from the external. There was even healings conducted by these disciples, and they weren't indwelt yet. It's because of the Holy Spirit that was doing the work. So now we find one of these disciples catching the foundation of the message of simply forgiveness and extending forgiveness. Peter was a little bit quick on his step. He was often asking questions that the other disciples seemed to be a little bit more on the duh side. Peter was wanting to know specifics. So here's what it says in Matthew 18. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I would like to meet someone at 602-292-2982 who actually can communicate to me a story, a message of forgiving someone 490 times in one day. You see, what that does is it requires a different theological positioning. There's another passage that talks about standing forgiving. That means like the mandate that was put before us through Paul when he said, pray without ceasing. Well, how can I pray without ceasing when I'm talking to people? Paul understood what it meant to pray without ceasing, and so do I. Praying without ceasing is constant contact with the Holy Spirit. There's always an an exchange going on with the Holy Spirit within you. As people are talking, you're making the exchange. As you're preaching, there's an exchange going on. I know exactly what Paul's talking about when he said, pray without ceasing. It causes me to ask a question, then what is this kind of prayer that's going on around us today? It begs for a different kind of theology. Now, the same thing is going on here with this passage. Jesus threw out a number that was so incredibly unrealistic, it was ridiculous. Peter threw out a number that was fairly humanly logical. Jesus wanted him to be so dumbfounded and overwhelmed by the number, the numeric code here. I could do some very special things with 70 times 7 in the Old Testament for you and in the book of Revelation. Prophecies being spoken here. In order to actually be able to live out what Jesus is saying here, Jesus was setting Peter and the disciples up for the theology of stand forgiving. 
There's no thinking about it. There's no praying it over. There's no interceding with Christ because you're hurt and your feelings have been hurt and you are damaged and you were emotionally abused. You were spiritually abused and the list goes on and on. There Jesus was actually setting the disciples up for one of the most profound theologies in the word of God. You see, the question I would ask if I was standing there with Peter, not indwelt, but starting to figure it out from my human mind, is I would say, now wait a minute. This is an impossible number that you just gave Peter. I would literally have to have you, Jesus, living inside me to do that one. That would be my conclusion. Only you can do that. Jesus. And that probably would set Jesus up for another profound response, and that is, that, my dear disciples, is where I'm taking you to the indwelling life, my life, living inside you. Everything Jesus did and said was a setup for post-ascension. Everything Jesus did and said was a setup for post-ascension. When Jesus looked at the people and said that he was the door, he was the way to salvation, when he said these things, there's not a person that was listening to him could have that. Not one. Because he hadn't gone to the cross. Everything was a perfect setup for post-ascension Christianity. Critical peace. So now we look at this number of 490 times. And in the context of our passage, that would mean that before you go and confront such an offender, they would have to supersede the 490 times before you have your attitude of, well, I'm just going to blow them off. I am, I am done with them. I am, I am, I am. Because anytime you do any of the fleshly things, the Spirit is obligated by God to lead you back around to joining Christ's forgiveness inside you. Holy Spirit's not going to take you anywhere else. Now, I'd like to have the Holy Spirit take me off into, I deserve better treatment than this, but the Holy Spirit won't because either that or Jesus is a liar. See, that's what he wants. That fast. Turn the other cheek. They're ripping off your coat. Give them your shirt too. It's fast. In order to get to that point, There has to be this standing position of joining the forgiveness that exists inside you as an indwelt believer, not you making it about yourself and say, Oh, Jesus, I choose, I choose this day to forgive them, for they know not what they do. It isn't about you. You have no power to forgive them. Christ is the only one that has the power to forgive through you. You're joining his existing 
forgiveness that he already paid the price for. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.